0: Okay, you've heard about peak oil, peak water. Maybe you've heard about peak phosphorus. Perhaps you've heard about peak coal, peak uranium. But what about peak finance or maybe even peak civilization? My guest today is Theo Kitchener from an organization called Doing It Ourselves. Welcome, Theo.
1: Thanks. It's great to be here.
0: And Theo, have we reached the limits to growth?
1: Um, yeah I mean I think that's that's pretty obvious the all of what you just mentioned you know peak oil even peak water peak soil um, yeah peak coal probably is only 40 years off Um, I don't think that renewables are likely to step in and mean that we're able to keep on growing I think it's it's a bit too late for that and what's left is much too expensive and I think yeah, on top of that, there's the whole financial situation. But we're you, at peak debt as well.
0: Peak debt, yes. Or, or we
1: were in 2008.
0: Yes. Well, let's let's talk about the other peaks first of all. What what do you think the impact of those peaks is going to be?
1: I mean, absolutely massive. I don't think we're really going to feel the impact of those peaks until after the financial crisis has fully played out and we're able to attempt to start growing again. Um, but... You know, I think that we're already seeing a volatility in oil prices. Every time the price of oil goes high, we, we, we're we in a recession again. Um, I think, yeah, it, it does sort of mean that it, it's pretty impossible for us to keep on growing. Uh, Richard Heinberg, when he was out here recently, talked about the fact that oil prices um, – have gotten to a point where um, in order to be feasible to to mine oil, they have to be at a certain price, but at that price the economy can 't stand it, and we instantly go into recession so we 're pretty much below um, below peak demand for for oil and so oil ha- times
0: ha- how do governments and the industrial and the commercial system respond to these kind of peaks?
1: I think that they they're just they're struggling, like the consumers can't afford to to buy goods at the prices that peak oil and peak gas and um and so on mean that we need to be paying for things, and that that's hurting profits and meaning that we need bigger subsidies from government
0: and so on and is that driving us to what you and I call peak debt
1: um yeah, but I think we would have gotten to peak debt anyway. I think that peak debt is almost a result of using fossil fuels um, for the past couple of hundred years. It's basically about how we've been... I guess, growing and growing and growing. Like, I think we go through natural cycles, say, every 60 or 80 years anyway, um, where the economy expands and then has to contract again. Um, But this time around, it's much bigger than it ever was before, and that's definitely because of the fossil fuel boom.
0: So are they responding by lending people more money? And do we end up with this feature of the financial markets called fractional reserve banking?
1: Uh, Well, I think that people have been borrowing more and more money up until recent times. Since 2008, it seems as if banks are lending less and people are borrowing less. And I think that's sort of a function of consumer confidence and um, lack of confidence in the housing market, and and everybody just being completely overextended. That's people, uh, businesses, governments. They all have too much debt, and everybody is now in the process of trying to pay down that debt, which means a great deleveraging, um, which is is basically what deflation or a depression tends to be.
0: what well, what is fractional reserve banking?
1: Uh, fractional reserve banking is a system where if you put $100 in your bank, that your bank is able to lend out $90 of it to somebody else. So all of a sudden, you think you have $100, this other person thinks they have $90, there's now $190 in the system where there was $100 before. So fractional reserve banking is the process where banks are allowed to lend out a fraction of however much they have in deposits. And that basically is... A system whereby the money supply is constantly increasing. It ends up increasing about 10 times over if you've got a 10% reserve ratio. In Australia the latest um, stat I've been able to find was that we have around a 2% reserve ratio which means that there's probably 50 times as much money in the economy as there is actually in deposits in banks. It's quite crazy.
0: So you you mean this is actually an imaginary pretend kind of money? It just only exists in the financial system in some bank balance somewhere, but it's not real money?
1: Yeah, it's all numbers on computers. Um, And all money, you know, since the 70s anyway, is is basically fiat money. It exists just based on our trust of our governments and, and the fact that that money is money. And will be able to be redeemed for Goods and services at a later date, but it's not backed by anything. And if we all went to the banks at once to take out our money, we would find that not all of us would be able to get it out. That's what happened in the bank runs in the Great Depression, um, and it's happened throughout history during depressions. It's it's not an irregular situation. Um, when I went to the bank to take out my money, I, my bank manager tried to convince me not to, and I thought it would be fun to have a conversation with him about why I wanted to, <laughs> and. Um, by the end of it, he was visibly shaking, um, and and he was saying things like, "But but fractional reserve banking works," and I was saying, "Not in depressions," and he was like, "Um, yeah, <laughs> you know." So it's it's sort of it, it's quite a scary system that we have that I think is quite unstable and is part of. The stimulus behind inflation, behind asset bubbles like the housing market, and, and behind economic growth in general. There's always more money there to be borrowed if we want it.
0: It sounds like a kind of a Ponzi scheme. It is. <laughs> which perhaps you can remind us of what the Ponzi scheme is then.
1: Um, yeah, a Ponzi scheme is a system where you... Are always um, dependent on new entrants into the system in order to continue the system. So mm-hmm. that's probably not the best definition. You might be able to give a better one, but but in my mind, it basically means that the the system has to continue to grow, and as soon as it stops growing, it falls apart.
0: Yes, yes. My understanding is it gets its name from a, a person named Ponzi who promise impossible returns to one person and then took their investment and use it to pay the or rather got a second two people to make to give the return to the first person but there was actually no real profits to distribute all it was was borrowing the next bit of money
1: yep exactly
0: so do you actually recommend that we take our money out of banks
1: yes definitely
0: Um, into mattresses and things
1: well, I think you can hide it more creatively than under your mattress, um, but I would mostly recommend putting money into useful things like water tanks or solar panels or books that teach you how to mend clothes or ferment food or grow food or uh, fix bicycles or um, use natural healthcare. Um Because, yeah, I basically think that we're heading for a situation where the industrial economy, as we know it, will not be available to us. Um, where most people will have lost their savings Um, and where, you know, we need to be able to provide for ourselves and look after not just ourselves and our families but our communities as well.
0: Well, what do I do with my superannuation fund?
1: Um, Also, again, start a self-managed super fund. There's a group of people in Tasmania who've... um, There's 12 of them. They've started three... uh, self-managed super funds apparently four people is a sweet spot for um you know pricing and so on there's a company called east super um that make it quite easy to start a self-managed super fund. otherwise there's a lot of bureaucratic hoo-ha um and expense and um and yeah they've bought a primary school in their town and they're you know inviting permaculture businesses and social enterprises in to operate in that in that primary school's land area. Um, and, and they're able to invest in those kinds of businesses as well. So I think that putting money into land and productive enterprises on a small, local, ethical and resilient scale is is the best thing that you can do with your super money.
0: Okay. What's your attitude to globalisation?
1: Well, I won't talk about my general attitude to globalisation, but I think that it's it's coming to an end. Um, I think that we're, we're going towards a situation where we need to be localising. We'll probably in the future have governments at a local level, um, not so much with the federal level. We'll probably, yeah, need to be able to be pro- provide for, for ourselves at community levels.
0: And these, uh, the structure of our financial markets, do you think it'll have an impact on people's mortgages?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that the the situation there is, is I mean, interest rates will probably go quite high uh, because interest rates are a premium on risk. Of course, interest rates are extremely low at the moment and they'll stay that way for as long as the governments can maintain that. But I think we're heading for a general kind of banking collapse, which at at some point, governments will no longer be able to bail out the banks, and that will happen when the bond markets revolt and, and just refuse to continue to take on government debt. Because the bailouts are – sorry, I'm, I'll get back to the mortgage question – but the bailouts are, are basically a, a publicisation of private debt, um, which is just going to make it worse – for people in the long run because we're kind of we're just delaying the inevitable the banks will collapse um, whether it's through bank runs or through um, credit events like uh, Greece or Spain or wherever defaulting um, and having that cascade through the system. Yeah, the the governments won't be able to continue to bail things out forever. It's sort of a a temporary measure that pushes pushes the future away for a little while and means that the governments will be even worse off when it does eventually happen, because they'll need to raise taxes and cut spending even more because they're already in so much debt. And eventually, I do think that our federal governments could quite easily go bankrupt. Imagine that banking collapse and then a situation where housing market crashes, um, interest rates go quite high because they're a premium on risk. Um, Unemployment has also shot up. In in that situation, I think people are quite likely to be losing their houses. So personally, I think that if you have a mortgage on a house, you're better off to sell it now. That way, you'll probably have some money left over, uh, which you can put into all of those sorts of things that I was talking about before, water tanks, fruit trees, perhaps some land in the country that you could Buy outright uh, to grow food or live there, start a, a micro business that you could work at, um, that's doing something useful for your community. Those kinds of things are probably more likely to to give you security in the long run than than a mortgage.
0: So, uh, do you you think things are so bleak that we're likely to be living off our own grown food and our own little plots of land out in the country?
1: Yes. I mean I think I think not necessarily out in the country I think there's a lot of possibility for urban agriculture um or urban permaculture rather and I you know I think that it's not necessarily a bleak situation I think it's actually kind of positive I, I mean personally I got depressed about all of this for a few quite a few years when I first Un- started to understand it all, particularly with the possibility that with the loss of industrial civilization, quite a lot of people could die. It's it's quite a scary, upsetting situation, not to mention all of the climate change stuff that you could put on top of that as well. But leaving that alone for a moment, um, I think that the only real solution that we have is to work together, build community, grow food, um, ride bicycles, make our own stuff learn to repair stuff all of that kind of stuff and that in a sense it's actually a really exciting potential way of life to live in a much simpler way than what we currently do with a lot more community and with a lot more contact with nature like you could imagine fruit and nut trees everywhere Uh, in the city um, with vines growing up them as well and and vegetables and medicinal herbs and cooking herbs growing underneath them and bicycle paths running through the centre. You know, we could tear up the roads. That sort of future, I think, is becoming more and more like a reasonable option, (laughs) something that we need to do.
0: Can can you really see people wanting to give up their latest electro-whiz gimmickry?
1: No, not at all, but I think that they'll have to i I think that we will need to come to terms with the fact that there are these limits being imposed on us which we we don't really have any choice about and i I completely agree most people won't change until they have to um, and that that's completely fair enough but the what i 'm trying to do with raising awareness about all of this is appeal to perhaps the one percent of people who will change ahead of time because the more of us who do the more likely it is that we'll be able to reach that kind of positive future rather than a bleak, dystopian, kind of really scary future where lots of people have to die, um, where we have a potentially fascist government move in in order to try to keep things under control. And that, you know, the more of us who get prepared now, the more we're able to show the alternatives. So when people are losing their jobs and are trying to find ways to save money on their electricity bills or whatever, that we're able to, um, you know, be there running workshops, teaching people how to use appropriate technology. So much of it we can make ourselves, you know. Like there's a fridge alternative that's basically two terracotta pots, a small one inside a slightly larger one. You pour a bit of water in between the two every day and... Um, and the evaporation of the water sucks cool air into the centre. Um, it's only a few degrees warmer than a fridge. So there's there's just so many alternatives that we can be using, and people have been working on this kind of stuff for the last 40 or 50 years. You know, ever since the, the Limits to Growth report came out in the 70s, people have been preparing for this, and we're now able to build on this amass massive amount of knowledge and open source designs for all of these different kinds of things that are out there on the internet. If we want to live a really good life without electricity, uh, without interstate transport networks for food and trucking and so on, I I think it's entirely reasonable and doable. Um, It's just a matter of demonstrating the possibility of it so that that's the direction that we move.
0: Uh, Are these ideas coming from the notion of a 1960s style commune where we all wear long hair and (laughs) tie-dye t-shirts or or is it an economic argument?
1: Yeah no it's an economic argument I think that this kind of thing is actually a necessity there's there's not there's just not much scope with the limited resources that we have left um, and the the serious financial shock that we have coming to actually move in many other directions there's you know I think if we were Say we wanted to um, go down the beyond zero emissions type path of, of building and the alternative renewable energy that we might need to keep things going similarly to how we do today. I don't think it's going to happen because the investment isn't going to be there. A banking collapse is going to mean that no new loans happen, that the government is stuck for money and and that plan was requiring, I think, $3.7 billion a year for 10 years. And, and people have put out critiques of that report saying that it might actually end up costing three times that much and take tw- twice as long. So I'm just pointing out, I suppose, that the main thing that we have going for us would actually be a simpler way of life that doesn't cost very much at all. There's an academic in Sydney named Ted Trainer, who's done an analysis of how we could live in a simpler way. He's got an excellent website. If you just look up Ted Trainer, the simpler way, it's on the Uni of New South Wales website. But, um, and we'll
0: put a link with this interview. Cool, yes. great.
1: But, yeah, he, he's, he's done an analysis where he, he reckons that we could work 5% of what we do now... Um, and have a very good quality of life. Probably better than what we have now because we're so isolated now. People don't know their neighbours. We have such high levels of depression and anxiety and all other kinds of mental illnesses, poverty and so on, that, you know, I think if we were living in community uh, and we could work much less because our needs would be much lower, you know, and, and the work that we were doing would actually be more fun. You know, you could do a much more varied... Work day. You know, you might fix your bicycle in the morning and then go out to the garden for a little bit or, you know, help somebody preserve some, some fruit, have lunch with a whole bunch of people.
0: I, I want to go back to how governments respond and yeah. what do you think will happen when they start to feel a financial pinch?
1: I, I guess that's already happening, say, in Europe or all of the States. Mm. And the main response tends to be, to to raise taxes and to cut spending and to sell off whatever they have that they can. The general kind of response to that from the population is anger and protest. So I think the governments are going to find it very difficult in the future. I think that one of the ways that they might um, choose to deal with that is is through mm. kind of uh, heavy-handedness or or fascism similar to what we saw in the 30s or during the Great Depression. Which I think is is really the scariest option that there is. I think I think a lot of people will be quite scared. There probably will be an a increase in crime at first, or at least that's what the media will probably be pointing out to us more than anything else. Um, you know, I'm sure that there will also be a whole lot of people getting together and cooperating with each other, learning how to grow food and all of that kind of stuff. But but no doubt there will also be people who are stealing from each other and so on and and that could lead to people voting in this kind of heavy-handedness which i think is really unnecessary and and would be would be really sad because in the end what it would mean is is that we we keep on working for for low wages for a low quality of life um and and probably longer hours perhaps third world like living conditions eventually and and you know I to- I talk often as if the future is already here um, and my time scales don't always make sense you know so some of what I'm talking about is five years in the future some of it is 20 years in the future um, so I guess bear that in mind but that's one potential option for how government will will respond
0: what? Tell me about the organisation that you're with called Doing It Ourselves.
1: Um, We've basically been set up to raise awareness about these issues um, and drive more people towards transition towns type groups, towards uh, getting to know their neighbours, building community, growing your own food, um, taking wise financial steps starting local currencies, building participatory democracy, all of these kinds of things and the idea is to get the word out there as much as possible to try to influence the future as much as we can. We're based in Melbourne, but we've got a group getting started in Canberra now. Uh, We're doing as many talks as we can for whatever kind of community groups want us to come and give a talk. So please get in touch through the website if you'd like that. We've also got a series of zines on our website uh, with lots of information, a links page with lots of links to all kinds of information about this stuff. I think that, you know, the most important thing is to do your own research. I wouldn't expect anyone to trust what I say on this. Um, Definitely do your own research. We've also just put out an animation, which has got about 75,000 views now, which is really exciting. Um, So please have a look at that on the website, uh, org and share that with your friends and family. That would be great. And
0: we'll we'll put up a link. Now, what led you to this point? What was your personal journey to to this point?
1: I guess I was – I I saw a documentary – about peak oil about five years ago. I actually had to see it three times before it finally hit me. Um, The first two times I'd sort of gone whoa that's intense but then pretty much forgotten about it. The third time I was like whoa that's intense what am I gonna do? how am I going to be okay and how can I try to use this to change the world, I suppose, and and hopefully end up with things being okay. Because I guess I I was already an activist. I was at the time working on a a website called thesharehood.org, which was all about helping people get to know their neighbours and build community and share stuff in their local neighbourhood, like ladders or childminding or having community events. But, yeah, I got quite depressed after that and couldn't stop reading about it all. And then that lasted three or four years, and then um, I've sort of been becoming more and more optimistic through that period.
0: Yes, how, how does it affect your outlook? Do you have kids? Would you have kids?
1: I don't yet, but I would, yeah. So I'm my partner and I are planning to have kids. We're hoping to, um, I, I'm developing a bit of a permaculture homestead um, in Melbourne in a suburb called Preston. I feel like probably within the next six months that'll be a bit more complete. And once that's done, yeah, I'd be looking to have kids. I think that there's so many issues with the population and so on, and I don't necessarily want to go into that. I mean, one thing on that, though, is I don't think we're heading for 9 billion people. I think we're probably heading for a lower population because of these issues. But but anyway, it, it is crazy situation to bring children into but we want to do it so we'll see how we go
0: and uh, i like the sense of optimism at least in the face of all this adversity and you if i get this correct have a sense that there actually are things that we can do ourselves and the name of your organization doing it ourselves says something totally are we really powerless in the face of of all this
1: no, no, i don 't think so at all. Um, I think what happens in the future is entirely up to us i don 't think that we can depend on our government or corporations or um, anyone to make anything happen besides us and our communities. I think that this situation with the financial crisis and peak oil and so on is quite different to climate change um, with with climate change it 's much more a situation where you know, if you stop driving, it probably won't make that much of a difference. So a lot of people continue to drive. In in this situation, if you, if you do uh, choose to get prepared, grow your own food, um, become comfortable riding a bicycle, um, work closer to home, or start a micro-business from your garage or whatever, you probably will be okay through this crisis and you'll actually help your community do better. Um, on the other hand, if you choose not to get prepared... Yeah, if you choose not to get prepared, then you probably will be in quite a chaotic situation. But yeah, if, if you do get prepared, even if none of this happens, the worst that will happen is that you may have lost the ability to make a little bit of money, but you'll probably be happier and healthier a- eating food that you've grown yourself. And
0: well, you seem to be talking about opting out of the standard economy to a fair degree. Yes. Do you think that itself would have a big impact? I mean, that it would affect the health of our economy in its own way
1: yeah potentially you can't deny that particularly things like taking your money out of the bank can you know is is what a bank run by definition is but I think that it's necessary for as many people as possible to do so so that at least some of us are well prepared when this happens because it's going to happen anyway
0: well Theo Kitchener thank you very much for your time today
1: thank you